Good morning, church. It is so good to be here today to have the privilege of celebrating in baptism, uh, to know that God is working in our midst. You know, friends, this is this is a special way to begin a time of worship. There are a lot of churches that that don't have an opportunity to see people baptized, but not only will you see uh, people baptized, but you'll also have an opportunity to celebrate in all the baptisms uh, that we uh, that we are a part of. I am grateful today. Benjamin, come stand with me, buddy. <laughs> this is Benjamin Rooney, and Benjamin is a little bit nervous about standing in front of you. Isn't that right, Benjamin? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there. But we're so excited about what God is doing in Benjamin's life. Benjamin came down a few weeks ago after the 830 service, and uh, he said he wanted to talk about being baptized. And so I had the privilege of being able to meet with Benjamin and his mom, and, uh, and they just shared about what Benjamin has done in his life and the decisions he's made and the fact that he has given his life to Jesus. So, Benjamin, we are very proud of you, and we're thankful to be able to celebrate in this time with you. Benjamin, I have one simple question for you. Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior? Yes. Benjamin, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a brand new way of life. So Benjamin got baptized during our 8.30 service this morning. We're really excited for him, and we're excited that you're here as well. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome to church. We are glad that you're with us this morning. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go ahead and check in. Let us know that you're here. You can text the keywords that are on the screen behind me to do that. There's also a blue card in front of you. Um, if you're watching online, there's ways to do that there as well. But we would love to know that you are here this morning. When you do that, there's a place for prayer requests. There's a place to find the notes from the sermon, announcements. All the things are there. So make sure you do that each week. Well, a couple things that are coming up I want to point out. First is we have our ministry called Upward Basketball. Upward Basketball is uh, an outreach event of our church that includes basketball and families. It's a lot of fun. And it's going to be starting soon. And we are looking for some people who would like to serve as coaches. And if you're looking for a place to plug in, this is a great way to get plugged into the church is to help with uh, coaching a team. It does not require a lot of basketball skills. So you're all able to do that. So make sure if that's something you'd like to do, do that. You can find the information there on the screen. Another way, another thing coming up as well, uh, for some of you, you may know the name Point of Grace. Point of Grace is a Christian band, and they are coming and doing a Christmas concert December 7th. Want to let you know because we're selling tickets for that, um, and so make sure you get your ticket beforehand. Make sure there's a seat, uh, so be a part of our Point of Grace concert. The last thing is happening right now, and will be happening for the ongoing future, is we have two new adult small groups. One of them has started a couple weeks ago. It's for um, college and career young adults, and the second one is starting next week, and it's for people who are married. And so if you're looking for a small group to plug into, let me know. I'll get you plugged in. But next week, we have a marriage group uh, that will be starting up here at the church. Love for you to be part of that. There's also about 18 other groups you can join. If you want to help navigating that, let me know. 
Well, guys, we're so glad you're here. I'm going to pray for us, ask God to bless this time, and then let's sing together. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you that we can come to you no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what's going on in the world. God, we can come to this place, and we can worship you. So, God, wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, whatever our next step is, God, I pray that you make that real to us today. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in this church and in churches all over the world. And we pray this in your name. Amen. salvation, one doorway that leads to life, one redemption, one confession, I believe in the name of Jesus Christ.
Reaching out to me. 
Father God, we thank you that we can trust in you with all that we are and all that we have. Thank you, God, that when things seem bleak and when things seem out of our control, Lord, you are on your throne and you're in control and we can look to you. God, thank you for being a faithful God in your name. Amen. Would you please be seated? to Esther chapter 9. Uh, this is where we're going to be looking. We're going to finish up the book of Esther today. Before I get started, though, it, it's, you know, it's really interesting how God works. <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised, but it really is pretty powerful how God works. Um, the story, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a, a quick preview of today's message. The, the part of Esther that we're going to read today is the part where the Jewish people are attacked and they defend themselves. In, in victory, they defend themselves. If you have been paying attention to the news over the last several days, uh, the Jewish people have been attacked. The nation of Israel has been attacked. And, and, and over the next several days, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and predict what you're going to see. You're going to see the nation of Israel defend itself. And, and, and there will be a great deal of conflict. There is a great loss of life in the midst of that. There already has been. Uh, there have been images and videos that have, that have come out. And, and some of the things that are happening are, are, are so disheartening, troubling, sad, um, disastrous. To see the loss of life that is happening is... is, uh, is, is Troubling at, at the least. And yet, I, I will go ahead and tell you that God has a way of delivering his people and accomplishing his purpose. And, and we will very likely see that happen over the next several days. The message that we have here today really speaks to that. But I think because we are in the moment that we're in, I, I think it just, it should draw us to pray. And it should draw us, and I, I'll, I'll say this, I think it should draw us to pray for the people who are being attacked. I personally believe we should also pray for attackers. Because uh, I, I want to see their hearts um, completed and their peace uh, abounding. And I, I want to see them not be hateful and troubled and and attacking others, I want to see people come to know Jesus. That's really what it comes down to. And uh, and so, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not a politic I'm not a political person, and I don't I, I don't even venture to say that I fully understand all of the conflict that is happening in the Middle East. I, I'm 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 not there, and so I don't completely understand it. Yet at the same time, I know that God does, and I know that He's in the midst of all of that. And so I, I just want to take just a moment this morning before we get started and. And really, this is the message before the message, but I think it all kind of fits together, and it's, it's amazing how God orchestrates that. Um, let's just pray. Can we just pray? Can we pray for those people and pray for peace and pray for God's deliverance? 
and pray that God would have his way in the midst of troubling situations. Can we just pray? God, we come before you now and we thank you for your deliverance in our lives. We're grateful. And God, we, we don't venture to stand in the way and to say what we, what we believe should, be, should happen. God, we're just asking you to accomplish your purpose. God, in the midst of loss of life and tragedy, of people fighting people, God, we know that that is, that is not your perfect plan. And so, God, we just pray in the midst of, in the midst of tragedy that your word, your direction, your purpose, your spirit, your son would be glorified, honored, followed. God, we pray for protection of those who are being attacked. We pray for heart change of attackers. God, we just pray for peace. We know that you are a God of peace. So God, we just, we just ask you to speak into the midst of the situation that we see over social media and news outlets and videos and, and images, God, that are so disturbing. We know that you have the power to accomplish your purpose in the midst of difficult circumstances. So we ask that you would do that. Even as we study your word today, God, we pray that you would bring some of those things home to us and that we would rest in you. We're grateful, grateful for your love, for all the things you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Esther chapter 9 begins like this. It says, now in the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The reverse occurred. <laughs> what, an, what a simplistic way to put that moment. In the moment when the Jews were to be annihilated, well, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who would attack them. The reverse occurred. The message that we want to share with you today is that our God is a God of great reversals. Today we're going to finish the book of Esther, but I want us to once again see, and we've seen this throughout this story, I want us to once again see that when things look bleak or out of control, if any of you have ever played the game of Uno, God plays the reverse card. And he says, no, 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 no. I know what you thought was going to happen, but that's not what's going to happen. We're going to turn this thing around. Can I tell you that that is not just true in the book of Esther? It's also true in our lives. God has reversed so many things for us. We're going in a direction and God says, no, I don't think so. You're going to turn around. You're going to go the other direction. You're going to discover something that you've covered. You're going to be something that you thought you weren't. You're going to actually accomplish something you thought was never possible. In the moment when all seems bleak and lost and, and, and completely obliterated, 
the reverse occurs. Do you realize that Esther, 10 chapters, have been written to come to this moment? And the author satisfies it in a word. Couldn't he have written a shorter story? You see, this is interesting because this is true. Uh, The reason that the author makes it so clear and so easy is because if you remember back when Mordecai went to Esther because she was in the palace, do you remember he said, the Jews will be delivered from somewhere? There is no doubt that the Jews are going to come out on top. The Jewish nation is going to survive. He said, but you and your house, you're not going to live. Maybe you're here for such a time as this. Maybe you are the deliverance of the Jews, but trust me, if you choose not to be, the Jews will still be delivered. And we get to the end of the story, some people actually believe that Mordecai may have written, physically penned the book of Esther. And he gets to chapter 9, and it simply says, when the Jews were going to be lifted off of the face of the earth, the reverse occurred. It goes on in verse 2. It says, The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands, that's not in a praying way, on those who sought their harm. And no one could stand against them. For the fear of them had fallen on all the peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with a sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. Now, let me address something that's kind of between the lines here that I think is important to to address, and that is the idea that, now, wait a minute. We have been been so frustrated with Haman and the Persian people because they were going to attack the Jews, and now we're going to celebrate the Jews attacking the the people that came against them. Shouldn't we be be just as upset about the, the Jewish people attacking Shouldn't we be just as upset about anyone losing their lives? And, and you actually do have a point there. That is, an, that is an important concept. It's an important angle for us, to, for us to see things from. However, there is an element of this. And some of you have, have seen this. Uh, you know, if you've, ever, if you've ever watched a movie where a, a, a group of people have been greatly oppressed and a group of people have been greatly attacked, And in the movie, you know that on the outskirts of the city, there's another army that is willing to defend the people of the city that are being attacked. What are you hoping for while you're watching that movie? You're looking at those people that are on the outskirts of the city and you're saying, go, go, defend the people that are being attacked. Well, that's really what happens here. It it is a picture of violence. But it's a picture of violence of the people of God defending themselves. Let me uh, address that in a different way. 
hopefully it doesn't come to violence. I would, I would dare say that it probably should not. But this is, there is a picture here that we as believers in Jesus should not always just lay down against any attack that comes against us. But in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, and on the authority of his word, we should stand for what the Bible teaches us. In a kind, generous, godly way. But we should not just always lay down. Honestly, if you were to look at the culture today, part of the reason why we are in the situation that we are in is because Christians over years have chosen to just lay down. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to upset anybody. I want to be a I want to be a peacekeeper. Please hear this. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, "Blessed are the peace makers." You see, peacekeeping can look like, I just don't want to rock the boat. Peacemaking means I will rock the boat for a better future. I, I, will, I, will, I will actually step into a situation or step into a discussion for the purpose that, that things need to be better, things need to be different. I'll do it in a kind way. I'll do it with grace in my heart and grace on my lips. But I'm not just going to back down from every attack. So there's something to be said for the people of God defending themselves. There's also an interesting fact about their defense of themselves, and you'll see it in, chap- you'll see it in verse 10, you'll see it again in verse 15, you'll see it in, again in verse 16. I'm not going to read all of them to you, but I'm going to point out what it says. At the end of verse 10, it says, but they laid no hand on the plunder. At the end of verse 15, it says, but they laid no hands on the on the plunder. And then verse 16 says this. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and they killed 75,000 of those who hated them. That's kind of the difficult part. We've got to wrap our brains around that. But, but they laid no hands on the plunder. Now just so you know and in case none of you lived in in pirate times um, the plunder is the spoils of war. The plunder are the belongings of those who were defeated. Uh, the riches, the money, the jewels, the 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 jewelry, the the clothing, the the cattle, the sheep, the everything that the that the people that have been attacked, everything that they owned, well they've been attacked and they've been killed, which means that they don't own it anymore, and those who won the battle, they now own it. That's the plunder. Interestingly, as the Jews defend themselves and others are defeated, it says over and over and over, but they laid no hands on the plunder, but they took no plunder. In other words, they were not rewarded for their victory. Why? It was a normal thing that to the victor goes the spoils, goes the plunder. That was a normal uh, uh, agreement and understanding. Why did they choose to not take advantage of the spoils the, the reward of victory. This actually goes back into this story and further back. Do you remember that the person that started all of this was a guy by the name of Haman? 
And if we were to go back, we would find that Haman was, you might remember this, he was an Agagite. What is that? Well, it means that he was a descendant of King Agag. King Agag was the king of the Amalekites. If you were to go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 15, you would find that God told Saul, the king of Israel at the time, through the prophet Samuel to go and attack, really to defend themselves, but to defend themselves to the death of the nation of Amalek, the Amalekites. God tells uh, Saul to attack the nation of Amalek and to take no plunder, to not spare anyone, no flock, no herd, no jewelry, no body. God is instructing Saul. And if you read the story, Saul attacks the nation of Amalek and the nation of Israel is victorious, but Saul spares the king. And the people take the plunder. And there are herds that are gained from this war. Haman is a descendant of Agag because Saul spared the king. So the curse against the nation of Israel has continued. And here what is happening is the Jews are in some ways trying to make right what was made wrong. So as they defend themselves, they are remembering the instruction of God to take no plunder from their victory. And therefore, in this moment, they are saying, we're not going to gain from this victory. We're just going to defend ourselves. And it goes back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Following the instruction of God to Saul through Samuel to have the battle, do the work, but do not reward yourselves, and they don't. Very interesting, isn't it? All of that comes down to a, an establishment of a, a moment. So the, the nation of Israel defends themselves uh, for a day, and then they come back and they actually defend themselves in, in one particular place. They defend themselves for another day. And then there is this moment where they understand that they have received victory. Ch uh, chapter 9, verse 20, we can read, it says, And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same year by year as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday that they should make them days of feasting. And gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the pure. To understand that, look down at verse 26. It says, therefore, they called these days Purim, after the term pure. Long story short, when Haman decided that he was going to annihilate the Jewish people, you might remember that he cast lots. He cast dice. 
And he decided what day of what month he was going to remove the Jews from the face of the earth. Uh, the, the dice that he cast in those days were called pure, P-U-R. And so as the nation of Israel now is delivered, they establish a, a feast, a day of celebrating, a day of remembering. This was a common thing in the nation of Israel. Anytime they had something that was, that was remarkable, they would establish a celebration, a feast. This was a rabbinic feast that continued to be celebrated every year. And on these two days, the nation of Israel would party. And they would celebrate, and they would eat together, and they would dance together, and they would have a wonderful time of celebrating the fact that they were delivered from death to life. It's a beautiful day. By the way, just as an aside and kind of interesting, those of you that are reading our, uh, our daily Bible recap plan, this morning you read John chapter 5, where the lame man by the pool of Bethesda is healed by God. In the scriptures, you'll see that it actually says that there was a feast that they were celebrating. Some people have said that that was the feast of Passover, but the math actually comes out that when, when this happened, John chapter 5, and Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you know what they were celebrating? They were celebrating Purim. Isn't it interesting how God kind of orchestrates that and puts it all together? So we come together and we celebrate that and we think about it. But and, and, and in our Bible reading plan, we're also reading the same stories. Wow, that's an amazing thing. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Purim is still celebrated, and it is celebrated about a month before Passover in the Jewish calendar. Which means that the Jewish people are celebrating their deliverance from death to life about a month before we as Christians celebrate our deliverance from death to life in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, you would see that Jewish people would continue to celebrate Purim. It's a, it's a remembrance of the fact that God on this day, many, many years ago, delivered the people that were destined for death. He delivered them to survival, to life, to the extension of the Jewish people. So what can we learn from this? Okay, neat story. <laughs> It's, it's, we've had a lot of that in the book of Esther. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've said that quite a few times. You know, when you read a narrative, you kind of read a story and you say, okay, well, that's, I, I appreciate knowing that. I appreciate seeing it and reading it and understanding it. It makes sense to me. What can we learn? Well, I will tell you, the story of Esther, the whole book of Esther, is really about these couple of points that I want to bring out of today's passage but it really is the, is the entire message of the entire book. And honestly, it should be the message of our lives. Number one thing we can learn from today's passage is that we serve the God of great reversals. Uh, do you remember right at the beginning it said, when the people were to be attacked, when the people were to be, were to be annihilated, when the people were to be murdered, the reverse happened. Friends, we serve the God of great reversals. Aren't you glad? 
I'm so glad that my life is not determined by everything that I do, but God is a God of great reversals. I'm so grateful that I don't have to judge the end of my life by the middle of my life, aren't you? Because our God is a God of great reversals. I'm so glad that there's no distance that I could travel away from God that he couldn't bring me back. Why? Because he's a God of great reversals. He can turn our lives around. He can switch us. He can move us. He can change us. He can can change our lives in a way that we never saw coming because our God is a God of great reversals. Some of you are here today and you are struggling in your life and you are hurting and you don't know what things are going to go well and you don't you kind of look at, at the circumstances of your life and you think boy this is this is not going well i am in a bad place i am i am in a struggle moment some of you are are living a life that that if you were to to kind of take a step back and objectively look at it you would say boy that's not a very good path this message is for you Our God is a God of great reversals, and he can change your life, and he can do it today. He can turn you around today. He can make your life different today. We serve a God of great reversals. The second thing that I think we can see from this passage, and really from the entire book of Esther, is that regardless of the circumstances, God is working. We need that in our lives, friends. We need to know that God is working in the midst of our lives. We need to know that that he has not left us. We need to know that when it may seem like things are dark, when it may seem like things are bleak, our God is still working. When all seems lost, God is working. When all seems down, God is working. When it all seems hopeless, God is working. Can I just tell you in your life today, whatever you may be facing, please hear this and write it down. God is working. I look out across this room and I know some of your stories. I don't know all of them. But I want you to know that in the midst of your life, in the midst of your home, in the midst of your job, in the midst of your relationships with your spouse, in the midst of your relationship with your kids, our God is working. He has not left you. He has not departed. He has not exited. He is working. Trust it. Believe it. Walk in it. Our God is working. How do I know that? Okay, thanks, Pastor. How do you know? Well, honestly, I could tell you some stories from my own life. I could tell some of your stories. Some of you would not rather me not. Because I would have to tell the beginning to get to the end. So I'll just tell this story. On a really, really dark afternoon on a hill outside of Jerusalem. The enemy of all enemies saw his plan on full tilt. The enemy was going to kill the Son of God. The only hope for humanity was going to hang on a cross. 
Jesus, the Son of God, died on that cross, and the enemy raised his hands in victory. Got him. He thought he had it. Oh, but the hope of all mankind is dead. But our God is a God of great reversals. He plays the eternal reverse card. In Satan's seeming victory, there was only defeat. It would literally be the death of Jesus that would be the hope of all mankind. In his death, he died the death that we deserved. In his blood, he offered our forgiveness of sins. And in his resurrection, he granted to us eternal life. Our God is a God of great reversals. And regardless of the things that we see in front of us, trust that God is always working. So what should we do? What should we do? Where should that bring us? What's our action point? Well, it isn't just try harder. It's not just believe more. It's not just try to rewrite my story. It's not walk out of here and say, I'm going to be different. No, our God is a God of great reversals. When we struggle, he is working. So what do we do? It's really simple. We put our faith in the God of great reversals. We say, I was headed this way, but I believe in you so that you can turn me that way. I was going my way. I believe in you, so you allow me to go your way. We put our faith in the God of great reversals because when we believe in him, he plays the eternal reverse card. And he says, you were headed a direction that was not going to be good for your eternity. But because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice that he made, and because of you accepting that sacrifice in your own life, in your own heart, your life has been reversed. As simple as that sounds, it is a cosmic reality. It is an eternal reality. And it will make a difference in your life today and for the rest of your eternity. Put your faith in the God of great reversals. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for for being the God of great reversals. I thank you, God, for that in my own personal life. I thank you that you did not leave me in my sin, but you redeemed me by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus for the sacrifice that he made. Thank you that on the cross, he granted us victory in what looked like defeat. He won the ultimate victory over the enemy. Help us, Father, to live that out, to trust that, to believe that. God, I pray for the people in this room that may not have quite put their faith in you. Maybe today is the day. And I pray that you would work in our hearts. As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. But maybe you're here today because you have never truly believed 
in Jesus. You've never fully trusted in him as your savior. And maybe you need to do that right now. I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer of what it means to ask Jesus into your heart to be your savior. If you've never done that, but you want to give your life to Jesus right now, would you just slip your hand up in the air? I'd just love to pray with you. Not going to come to you, not going to embarrass you, not going to call you out. If you want to give your life to Jesus right now, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Amen. Anyone else? I want to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Anyone else? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do it today. I want to do it right now. Anyone? If you raised your hand, or maybe if you didn't, but you want to, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of what it means to ask Jesus into your life and into your heart. We, in this church, we don't believe anybody should ever pray alone. So all around the room, there are going to be people that are going to pray right along with you. Aloud, would you all just join me in praying this prayer? Dear Jesus, I come to you as sinner. I believe you died for me. I believe you gave your life on the cross to pay for my sins. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to live for you from this point on. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for being my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, all across the room, isn't it awesome to see God moving? I want you to know that God is working in your life, in your heart right now. And what a wonderful thing to see people raise their hand. At the end of the service, if you raised your hand, or maybe if you didn't, but you just want to talk about a new life in Christ, we would love to talk with you about what God's doing in your life and in your heart. I am so thankful for what God has shown us through the book of Esther as we've studied it. I'm also looking forward to next week, by the way, just before we close. I'm also looking forward to next week because we're going to have a great new series called The Power of Routine, where we're going to talk about those things that we can do in our life like every single day to grow closer to God. It's going to be a really challenging series that will help us to know some of those disciplines, some of those things that we need to be doing every day and ways that we can do them so that we can grow closer to Jesus in our lives. I'm excited about what God's going to teach us as we study that together. We're, right now, we're going to have a, 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 another time of worship. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. So would you do that? And let's just proclaim him and worship him as we close today.
song.